Did you ever think you were made it? I feel I'm so close, I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. I'm Patrick Bedway, host of Item, and today we're gonna have some fun because we're talking to Doc Antle from Tiger King. Yes, Doc Antle from Tiger King, and he's gonna reveal how much money he got paid from this documentary that got 65, 70 million viewers. You're gonna be shell shocked how much they actually paid Doc Antle. Doc, thank you for being a guest on Item today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, so let me ask you. I mean, I, I had a chance. I'm, I'm at work. One of my graphic designers, Nancy, is talking about Tiger King. Pat, you got to watch it. It's amazing. The story of Joe Exotic. So they go and create a meme of me dressed as Joe Exotic. I still have no clue what's going on. They post it on Instagram. Everybody's thinking I watched it. Then I said, look, you know, let me see what these guys are talking about. I watched the first episode one night. I find myself, you know, staying up to three o'clock in the morning watching this flipping show of Tiger King. I couldn't believe I did that. So have you had a chance to watch the whole thing beginning to end? Yeah, I got to watch it. You know, I took the time and looked through it. It's uh, quite the salacious sensationalism ride, you know. One thing it definitely is not is a documentary. It is just a wild TV ride made by some really good editors. So one thing it's really not is a documentary. Wow, so you would call it... Is this one of those things uh, qualified to say uh, uh, a docu a a fiction based on some true stories? Yeah, you know, a docudrama. It's a it's a it's a great tale, and there are some big truths in there, like that Carol Baskin killed her husband. You know, there's some big points, big powerful parts, but there's a whole lot of tall tale that's getting rolled along as well. So has it done good for you? Has it done, like, when it came out, were you happy this was coming out, or were you kind of, like, indifferent about it? I mean, it was a disaster in certain ways. It made a lot of outrageous claims against us and, and what we do and how we, what we're really working on. I worked on another program for three years. It was an HBO show about uh, environmental protection, about tiger conservation. Um, it included Richard Branson on his lemur conservation program, and a guy that was a turtle conservation guy. We were doing a whole program of how private people were able to produce great results for worldwide conservation. We worked on that for a few years. And then uh, this March, I just happened to see a trailer for Tiger King. And I saw I was in it. And I was like, what is going on? And I called up the director producer, um, Eric Gooden, said, what the heck's happening here, dude? This is this looks like I'm in this and I did not give you permission for that. I have a contract with you for absolutely not this. What's happening? And, you know, he, he went, oh, well, they took it from me. It all went away. I bulk sold everything. I made this special with you. Then I made this other stuff with Joe Exotic and I went and interviewed Carol. The two weren't really supposed to mix up, but uh, the guys who produce for Netflix um, the show – Fire Festival, which was really mm, yes. a train wreck, crazy thing as well. Yes. That guy took all the information, he edited it, and he made the show out of it. Eric, the producer-director, he claimed, it was out of my hands, they took it away, I, I, it's not my fault, uh, don't worry about it. Did you ever get paid or no? No, never done. Get out of here. Know? Nothing, nothing. Are you freaking done. kidding me? 
Uh, it's just it, they just it just fell off the map. That's unbelievable. Went, went rolling along, and I told him, "How can you do this? You know, we don't have papers for this. We only have the original show, and it says a one use only on the contract. And so, you know, it's all going to be greater minds than mine that will fight it out and decide uh, who gets a dollar." So I know, I know uh, Joe Exotic has got, what, $94 million lawsuit he has against them. I know a bunch of things are happening like that. Are you doing something with these guys or no? You're just kind of leaving it out because it's bringing a bunch of marketing to you. Well, I mean, I, yes, I've got guys. I'm just trying to get paid for all of my footage and all of the work they did. Got because it. They gathered up uh, images from programs I've done for the last 25 years. They pulled them off of an FTP site and then just stacked them into a show when I never told them they could use a uh, single image. And the show's filled with me. So many images on the show of tiger people are me over the last 35 years. There's images of me as a kid working all kinds of big cats on there. And I don't think people even can recognize it because now I'm an OFG. I'm an old fat and gray now. And uh, when I had that big shock of black hair and huge mustachio, I looked like a different guy. Yeah, but you still got the look, though. I can still see the fact that you're, you're a stud with women. It's very obvious. You got the charm and you got the looks. So, but by the way, do you know the number, how much money these guys made off it or no? I haven't heard a cash figure. I mean, I heard 78 million people have watched it so far. I think it depends on how you do the click. You know, there's a click where you saw part of it, and there's the click where you binged it and mm. knocked down the seven hours. So I guess it just depends on who's uh, – statistics you're looking at but it's a runaway hit certainly one of the biggest things in the world these days i get a lot of contact from australia from england from the netherlands all kinds of places around the world um are, are have tiger king fever uh, so so uh, uh, chappelle got paid what chappelle got paid 60 million for his special i believe i think seinfeld's now getting paid like 120 or something like that and that's for one hour think about it so yeah. this is seven hours that. And I don't even think they got as many downloads as you guys got. So if that's the case, the number's got to be a reasonable number on what they're getting paid with it. Yeah, be, again, this, this story you're watching this, you're kind of, at first, you're like, oh, this Joe guy is an absolute scumbag. They're like, oh, my gosh, Joe's a good guy. Look at this Carol Baskin. Wait a minute, this other doc guy, this womanizer has got 28 wives, this guy who believes in polygamy. Like, look at, so it's going back and forth. Now, I did some research, and I noticed, based on what I'm reading, you don't have three, four, five, six wives. These are just girlfriends of yours or women that live on the campus with you, or some of them are employees. So what, what's the real story here? You know, we have this big family here. There's 25 of us that live here. We live here because we also have 100 big cats that we're working all the time. Big adult lions and tigers, we make full contact with all the time. That requires people to have real strong relationships with those animals. They have to be seeing them every day. The team has to get together to take them in, to bring them out, to wander in the forest with them, whatever it is we're working on. And so that team is a live-in team. About half that team are my relatives, my son and my daughter and my other daughter, their children. Uh, my nieces, nephews, my mama lives here. A bunch of us are that family that live here and run the facility. Then other people have come on. Came on when they were young, have stayed for decades because it's an incredible lifestyle, an incredible opportunity to be exposed to wildlife in such a different way than anywhere else in the world. So from that, there have been a variety of ladies that have come in. They live here, they work here, and they take care of stuff. And yes, I have been dating some of them for decades. And they all know about each other, of course. We're all 
hanging out here. It's just uh, not exactly what everybody else thinks of as a normal lifestyle. But but you are a qualified womanizer. Would you say that? Would you say you're good with women? I mean, the, that that smile. I can see that smiles work many times. I don't. I don't know that that's a womanizer. That gets a little bit negative, you know. I, I hope I'm a charming guy and, and with women. But a, a womanizer seems like maybe I'm I'm treating them wrong. These girls live large. Their lives are big and great. They're super talented earners. They're characters that go out and work so hard. They benefit from it themselves. Their family come and live with them. Um, the, the, the girl, China, who's on the show, uh, she's there. And she's got her sister living with her. They've helped run things with me here for the last 20 years. They're super quality ladies that just make the whole thing rock. So, so I would assume I am 41 right now. Okay. I got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. I got a three-year-old daughter. I am very uh, thankful for there not to have been Instagram or Snapchat when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, because I just don't want any of that stuff to be seen by my kids, because if they see some of the footage, they're going to have to explain themselves why that's their grandpa or anything like that. Does right. some of that priority with the wording and the language and the life you lived as you get older, kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm a grandpa, right? I got kids, I got grandkids. I don't need to bring that up. Is that kind of what phase you're at? Sure, to some extent. Okay. Certainly 20 years ago. I'm 60. When I was 40 years old, life was more footloose and fancy free. I traveled way more. I lived on a lot of big Hollywood sets. I made Ace Ventura and Jungle Book and Dr. Doolittle. I lived out in Hollywood a lot of the time. I traveled around the world and did a, a lot of different films and stuff. So, of course, you know, you're in your 30s and 40s. It's a different life than you are in your 50s and 60s. And, you know, things are slower and faster uh, according to, you know, how engaged you really want to be running amok. And, you know, I found fabulous girls who stayed on, you know, for decades. And they're so reliable and so good at their job. They, they are able to take care of my other kids, which are these big chimpanzees and orangutans and elephants and tigers. And they make the stability of those relationships, which are very extensive. You know, every single night. We have sit-down dinner with giant chimpanzees. They come in, we cook dinner with them, they sit at the table. And that's why we're the last ones in the Western world that has these great big apes that come in and interact with us. It's a, it's a bygone era that anybody even knows how to do that any longer. Which do you prefer, animals or human beings? People are phenomenal. We have emotion and we have capacity to be incredibly cool. Most people are lost in their sauce and are living on social media. and They don't know which way's up. So those guys, I'd rather hang out with an elephant or a monkey. But if you're really living to your ability, well, you have this incredible insight into the creation and all the things that are so great about it. There's nothing like great human art to inspire. But I love a chimpanzee to come down and uh, eat an orange with him and let just how much he likes his orange is pretty amazing. Too. That's got to be cool. Now, now to some of the guys that are watching this, maybe they want to get a few tips from you. They don't have tigers to brag with women. They don't have chimpanzees. What, what kind of tips would you give to single men who aspire to have a little bit of a game in their life? And maybe they're not that good at it right now. They want some tips. Maybe it's a, it's a friend of yours. Maybe it's a younger son of yours who's struggling with women. What advice do you give to men on how to you know, go out there and be decent with women. Well, there's two sides to it. There's the simple premise of be good, do good, be kind, be compassionate. If you're stable, everything around you becomes far more stable. 
the, the really difficult thing that no one wants to hear um, of how on earth you have two girlfriends at once and they know about each other is you have to be incredibly blatantly honest from the very beginning. That's not how relationships form. We tell these great big fairy tales that we watched on Disney and we pump people full of these fanciful tales of how it should be, could be, how we feel, end all, nothing's there. And um, I think that that destroys a lot of relationships. So blatantly honest is the hardest thing and is the only thing to make those lifelong connections. So, so when you have two relationships, you just kind of tell them, listen, I'm an open relationship type of guy. Here's where I'm at. Is that kind of been your approach? Not exactly, but you know, more, uh, we just have this big family and, and within this big family, there is so many jobs and so much stuff to do. You are welcome to be here, live this life and do the stuff. You want a relationship with me? Uh, that would be just grand, but you don't, nobody's forced. No one has to do anything. If you want to be involved, you can be involved. If you don't, it's hot in this kitchen and you can certainly leave. And it's that way every day. It's a very intense situation to think that these great big 600 pound, eight foot tall guys are coming out and interacting with us every day. It's really a military series of maneuvers every day. Just how to open the door, just how to come around and exist with this type of precision. I bet. Makes you have an incredibly intimate, connected relationship with anyone that you're doing that with. You must rely on them so heavily and you have to get timing with them. It's like a perfect ballet and you're doing that perfect ballet day and day and day in and out. And if you screw it up, someone's going to bleed. Maybe someone's going to die and you can't allow that. So the relationship is really thick in so many different ways where you're relying on people in a manner that 99.999% of humanity never approaches this type of lifestyle. Or do they want to? It's too intense. It's too precise. People want life to be a little more free and simple and flowing. Ours is that way with very rigorous rules. And I think that that helps make it all work out. What, what's the worst accident you guys ever had on your park? Really, the, driving in cars, right? Getting, getting, having somebody rear in me at 70 miles an hour to stop sign on Sunset Boulevard in Miami. Boom! You know, collapsing the back of the car, giving everybody whiplash, headaches, and trauma and drama. And unfortunately, I've been in probably five serious car accidents where I wasn't driving. And uh, that's the worst thing that's happened to me. With big cats, we virtually had nothing happen. I, I got all my fingers. I got, I still got everything in place. Um, we're very careful with what we do. And we've had the great opportunity to know a couple hundred tigers over the last 40 years. And out of those, we found dozens who love to do the work. They want to go out with us. They want to swim. They want to go in the forest. They love the new sights and sounds and smells. Those big cats are incredibly connected to us. The ones who don't like it, then those don't have to be out with us and maybe they move on and live at some beautiful zoo somewhere or do something else if they think that uh, people aren't their best buddies. Now, uh, let me ask you, for me, I'm, I'm big on asking uh, birthdays. Like if I'm interviewing somebody, you can't ask in job interviews, but I'm always curious to know what are your birthdays, you know, when you're born, when you're doing this. How much, how much do you see a trend with people who like certain type of animals and how their personality is? Dog people, cat people, tiger people, chimpanzee, or people who don't like animals or like birds. 
Have you seen a trend with that yourself since you're in that world or not at all? You mean like, like they're a Leo or a Sagittarius? No, or no, no. What I mean is like a, 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 you know, dog people you trust, tiger people you got to be careful with, you know, cat people you got to be careful with, tiger people are independent. Like, have you noticed a trend there with people or not at all? Sure. Every guy I know that has a real full-time work one-on-one with tigers, which I mean, I've only known a dozen in my life. There can't be but a few dozen in the world. Everybody I know like that is pretty much very centered on their own life, not very social. They don't go out. They don't go do stuff. They rarely drink. They just are not a guy that is out doing stuff. They live a very centered personal life. All the guys I know that do that are girl crazy. Now, I don't count Joe Exotic as was one about of those to guys. Say, yeah. <laughs> that, that guy's not a tiger guy. That guy's scared of tigers. He doesn't have great big tigers that love him. He doesn't have a relationship with numerous big cats and other wildlife. He doesn't have wildlife that respect him and that he enriching their lives is his high-value activity. For us, we have those big guys out running a high-speed lure going 40 miles an hour across a whole track we've built for them. That's a regular occurrence that we do out in the open for our tours at the Myrtle Beach Safari. And also just for enriching activity. We have several huge pools and ponds and we swim every few days. We've got big tigers in the pool, little cubs learning to swim. And we do that activity with them. Joe is in another world. Joe is about Joe. Joe is looking for the world's greatest party. You know, he was he was trying to find it. In the midst of that, he OD'd on drugs a few times. He made and spent millions. Joe had a lot of money when he started. You know, the Joe I met 15 years ago, he had brand new everything, bought anything he wanted. He had some old oil money from Texas that was his family money. And uh, he blew through a lot of it. And in the end, uh, the snitch Jeff Lowe and probably the other guys that were there involved, um, they kind of bled that last money off of him, and he went broke, had a public defender for a murder-for-hire for charge, which I think uh, helped get him a 22-year sentence. But, you know, Jeff and uh, Lowe and James Gerritsen, they kind of bled out the last of that, I think, from Joe's uh, last stand there in Oklahoma before he ran off to Florida. Now, have you, Joe, and Carol ever been in the same place together? No, we never have. I've never met Carol. Carol's been attacking me viciously for decades. This lady has just had a thorn uh, that she's just been stabbed with that has my name on it, I guess. She's always been after me, even though our place is literally a hundred times nicer than hers. Bigger, more beautiful, incredible setup. Such great, healthy, beautiful animals. Carol's really had a very hard time uh, showing anybody anything but a derelict, run-down junkyard of a place. I mean, there are places across America. I've seen, I've seen hundreds of them. Hers is the worst one in the country. Wow. You know, there's no place as backwoodsy funky as that. Joe had way too many animals in way too tight of a space. He had some nice habitats and a few things set up, but mostly he had a dog pound where it was habitat after habitat after habitat, too small, and the animals are boxed up. You know, so I've never really got to deal with Carol at all except in uh, sending her notifications from attorneys to take down uh, images and letters and ideas that she's put up a few times. And Joe, I met a few different times um, through the zoo industry. Him he was trying to improve his facility. He was contacting people that I was helping out about how to have better food, how to have better habitat, how to build things better um, for the big cats. We talked about that. And then 
five, six years ago, he came to Myrtle Beach, and he actually, because Myrtle Beach is a tourist town with 20 million visitors, and there was a big circus show in town. Joe supplied some tigers for that circus magic show, and uh, they had trouble where they were keeping them, what was happening, people were complaining. So we went down and looked at all of it and said, hey, what's like? How's this all going? And we can help you with bigger space, maybe get your animals outside, do something else for you. Then the show closed down. But in the interim, I had to deal with him a few times. Went to dinner with him one time just to talk about it next door to the, the big theater that was here in town. And uh, I had, you know, that was my biggest Joe experience. During that time, his staff were all around. And they came through our attraction, the Myrtle Beach Safari. And they saw the attraction and took tours. And he was like, that's what I want. I need to build a place just like that. From that reference, a lot of people think that we're uh, friends somehow. And he says, I'm his mentor, which I think I mentor to people all over the world who want to build world-class facility because ours is just of that scale. And we've had the time and opportunity to put tens of millions of dollars into a single place, which makes it have a lot of flash and a lot of incredible habitat. Yeah. Doc, if you're, if you're the best in your world, who's the second best in your world? There's single habitats that are really well set up at several zoos, you know, that I've seen. Got it. The, the stuff they do at Bush Gardens in Tampa is a beautiful setup. I think there's been uh, several places that have built great setups, but nobody else does what we do. The other place I see personally that looks beautiful over and over, I can't say the name right, is Latif McCoon's place, who is the president, king, whatever it is of. Um, United Arab Emirates, he has an incredible facility there. It looks like, you know, he's dropped a hundred million on it. I mean, it's, it's exquisite. And the animals look incredibly well cared for. I have mutual friends who work there and, and live there. And I think that that place is run world-class. But when, when you were building your business, what was your, uh, you know, the, like a business model? You were saying, I'm going to be good in this area. This is where I'm going to win. I'm going to focus on this area. What was your vision with the company and the business you were building? What was going to be your number one focus? In the beginning, in the early 80s, you know, I started out um, really just doing, uh, just having that first couple of tigers. I was working for Exxon Oil, who's a you know, big oil company who used to have a tiger as their uh, mascot, put a tiger in your tank. They were my biggest patron, and I helped them work on their tiger conservation program. I started running a more of a tiger conservation program with them. The um, Exxon Valdez crashed, the big old uh, oil tanker that they had gotten so much trouble for. They were environmentally the bad guys. They quit the tiger business. I took on everything that they were doing and ran it myself. From there, right at that same time of being the Exxon Tiger guy, Hollywood contacted me at length and asked me to come work for them. And I went and did a... 500 movie and television jobs, great big Fortune 500 ads. And I produced that stuff. Like I'd saying, Ace Ventura, Jungle Book, Dr. Doolittle, Mighty So Young, and some great big flops like The Gardens of Stone. Francis Ford Coppola worked on it for a year. Incredible big film. No one ever hardly saw it, but I learned a ton by watching how that movie was made. I did the same thing with Dino De Laurentiis with a movie called Date with an Angel. Just being on the set and watching how they produced and light it and do it, I got a real good feel for presentation of wildlife in a unique way. From there, things like making Eddie Murphy into Dr. Doolittle and Jim Carrey into the pet detective, I said, I could do that for everyone. 
I could create a vibe at my place where you get to feel like you're Dr. Doolittle. You get up close and personal with these animals in an incredible, perfect setting. Beautiful jungle habitat, nothing that looks like a set of cages, everything natural and organic, not like a zoo, which is designed to have hundreds of thousands of people come. We're having 10,000 people come in an entire year. Super limited, premium experience. And that model was for me to make what you saw here look like the perfect set of a movie where you would feel like if you were there, you had landed in Shangri-La. People, I want them to pull up and say, God, I wish I lived here. And that's not what you do when you go to the zoo. You might say, I'd love to have those animals, but you don't say, oh, this is where I wish I lived. When people come here, they're like, this is the coolest pool, the greatest fire pit, the most incredible buildings, the coolest place to hang out and just chill is just right here. The great food, the vibe, whole five-star experience. That is what I was pushing towards. I also stole some of that from going to five-star resorts, going to the Malamala Preserve in Africa, which is this the greatest, most pristine piece of uh, property in Africa. The presentation of how well they treat you, how they're always there with a drink, with a, a cool or hot towel to wipe your hands off with or cool your neck. And I took a lot of those ideas and applied those to the experience at the preserve being this five-star, exquisite experience where you're just in the jungle you always wish you could have visited. So only 10,000 people per year. That's about all we can handle, yeah. A regular tour is maybe 35 to 55 people. You know, right now with the COVID just uh, edging off, the governor just gave us permission to open back up. Some of these are going to have 10 people. Those 10 people are going to get a heck of an exclusive. You know, more people should uh, take advantage of this one moment. Probably by summer with Tiger King fever, uh, you know, every tour will be full. So are your ticket prices still $600 or are you going to raise them? My ticket is very much like an airline ticket. Um, it's $339 to come in and it's dynamically priced. As the tour becomes fuller, the price escalates so that the tour doesn't get too full and so that each day is able to have a, a set amount of people where it's still profitable, but not where we're just going to have 200 people come on a tour. We're always going to stop before we hit capacity. So what's high low? If low is 339, what's the most I'll, play, I'll pay for a ticket? 639. Okay, got it. Three thirty. And you could buy a photo package and other stuff. It can, it can get quite expensive, but it's nothing like taking a trip to Africa. You know, I take people every year to Africa. That's $12,000 a person to go to Africa. It's nothing like a nice vacated Thailand where you might see some tigers and elephants, but not in the luxury you do here. And you're not going to get in and out of Thailand for five grand, even if you're on a budget. And that's a third world country where uh, things are cheap. So it's a bargain if you're just coming with your uh, family of four and you can probably get in and out for a couple of grand and you'll have an experience like no one else in the world. Tons of celebrities have come and done it and uh, tons of people that are just real avid wildlife um, enthusiasts that want the most out of their experience. Who, who, are some of the, who are some of the people that have come to your park? Sheesh. I mean, you get, you can see some of the beautiful shots. I have Beyonce kissing my chimps, you know, and I have, uh, oh, Adama Kasu, the great big linebacker was down, came swimming and played with Bubbles the Lion. Elephant. Uh, man, I'm bad with names. Um, any presidents, any Floyd, politicians? Floyd Mayweather came and hung out. I saw Jimmy Carter one time. He came and saw me. I saw um, 
President Bush one time saw us as well, but I went and saw them at events. Got it. I didn't do it. Um, you know, I've had kings and queens from around the world meet me at events because I go and do wildlife fundraising events and I show up with elephants or pimps or tigers and I have people interact and meet them and therefore uh, open up their hearts and minds to wildlife and their wallet and get them to donate to international wildlife conservation like what we run, the rarespeciesfund.org or big international groups that we team up with to try and get new policies passed, new laws put into place to protect wildlife around the world. I like to hold $12,000 for one person to go with you to Africa, right? So it's 12,000. So, and how many people do you go with when you do that? Our trips to Africa, max I think is about 35, okay. the most we ever took. Usually it's about 15 to 20 people go with us. Every fall we take a trip there. It is a life-changing slice I of bet. Africa. Because 99% of Africa is overloaded and overpriced and you don't get to see the good stuff. But the right piece of Africa, it's like you are shaking the hand of God. You're connected to a wildlife, pristine environment that seems like this could be Eden. It is so unique. But even in Africa, it's 99% gone. The wildlife of Africa is on the brink. Wildlife across Asia and Africa both are having incredible trouble. And wildlife conservation um, is in dire need over there. And right now with the corona out, no tourism has happened. There are so many wildlife facilities that are in uh, dire straits. Animals are even starving to death and dying because no one's come by to hand over that dollar mm, for an experience. Wow. That's Western money that makes the East run. So you're seeing, you're seeing the effects of coronavirus also hurting animals, not just businesses. So animals are taking a hit as well. Completely I think thousands of animals are dying. Poaching is through the roof. You know, the poachers are out there taking advantage of everybody being hidden out. And poaching is rampant across Africa and Asia. I mean, it is big, big business. How are you being affected by the pandemic? I mean, Easter is an incredible time in Myrtle Beach. Often the town of Myrtle Beach, which has 150,000 hotel rooms, is no rooms available in the entire town. You can get a million people here over the Easter season, and we have no one here. It just dried up. And we have the stay-at-home order. All businesses closed, mandatory. So you're just uh, sitting here staring at an incredible facility that's just devoid of people and devoid of that income. So it's been super costly and uh, it, it's painful. We hope it'll turn around. We're talking about opening the beaches in the next days or for sure in the next couple of weeks where we're waiting for the governor to make new ideas. So, so how are you keeping your team sane? How do you keep them calm during these times? How are you talking to them? What are you telling them? Fortunately, we live on a 50 acre preserve where there's just beautiful open space and we're just, we're still swimming. We still all had family cookout time and Easter and, we live along this big, beautiful river. We used to let the elephant go down there and swim and play. The big thing that changes is the boats fly by on the big river. It's a 500-foot-wide river. They scream out, Carol killed her husband, over and over. Tiger King, but a whole lot of Carol did it. I mean, that's the mantra of the season. Tiger King fever. So, so how certain are you she killed her husband? I don't have a video, but I've seen the stuff that's poured out from the show. And I've been on this story for the last 15 plus years. It sure seems like Carol did it. Whether she covered him in sardine oil or not, that might be a question. But that she did do it seems like truth. 
from watching all this information roll in. Now, would that be an effective way of doing it? Would that, would that actually work if she did do that with sardine oil or cod liver, whatever it is? I've never tried it. I meant to do it. I need to do an experiment for social media. I need to you know, maybe put one shoe with sardine oil on it and one with the Chanel number I five. I bet it would get tons like. of millions of views. I need to do it. Does sardine oil work? I've got to get that going right now. <laughs> so since, since you're, uh, you know, uh, you're good with women, Lincoln once said, you know, the best thing to do uh, uh, with an enemy is turn him into a friend. Have you ever tried to uh, uh, make Carol a friend? The first couple times that she attacked me, I was running my program in Miami. I've had a show that ran down there for 15 years. And she attacked that show because I was, I guess, closer to her backyard. She wasn't as popular as she has been lately. Well, pre-Tiger King, different kind of popularity now. And she just wrote this outrageous, slanderous article into the Miami Herald. And I wrote her back and said, I'm sorry, you are deeply confused. She was just talking about the poor quality of care and facility and place. And like, there's nowhere like us. There's no vets that like our vets. There's no facility like our place. You've made a mistake. She wouldn't even respond. She just wants to have that one track mind of, I am the Mother Teresa of all cats, and everybody but me is doing it wrong. And especially if you make contact, she's just of that vibe like so many. It's too dangerous to do this. It cannot be done safely. I'm 40 years of doing it entirely, day in and day out. I've had more than one million guests make contact with big adult tigers. Because my adult tigers met guests until 2005 after the Siegfried Roy um, meltdown that took place. Mm. I always let my big adult tigers meet guests. And I have tigers wandering through crowds for so many feature films and on so many movie sets. And she says that can't be done. Well, of course it can. It's a joke. I've done it for my entire life. And Carol just wants it to be something else. Um, it's a matter of teamwork and skill and understanding the rules and the language of the wildlife you're exposed to. The real experts that I know have had no accidents. There are people that do, but every time something comes up, it's, there's a secondary problem. There's substance abuse. There's somebody uh, too far, too tired. They brought a person in that they knew shouldn't be there, and that person um, got hurt. So no one's ever been killed by a random tiger, except at the San Francisco Zoo, where the guys on Christmas Day uh, some time ago, maybe a decade ago, were playing around on, on Christmas Day. They had a BB gun. They were smoking dope. They were kicking and hanging out. And somehow, at the very end of the day, a tiger climbed out and ripped up three of them and killed one of them. And that's the only place. And so that tiger was in a habitat, in a place, doors closed, of what's supposed to be a world-class zoo. Um, so... Tigers are incredibly reliable if you know the rules, just like driving, right? I got friends and family members have died driving. Everybody knows somebody's been in a terrible car accident. If you go to the store today and you decide to drive there backwards, you probably have an accident. If you pay attention to all the rules, it's less. Tigers are the same thing. The rules are just more complicated, but you can follow along and accidents with tigers need not happen. Why do you think power, many powerful men have this desire to own a white tiger? You know, what, what, what is it? What, what do you think it is? Is it a control thing? Is it a, they relate? Is it, I feel like I'm also, you know, somebody that's of power? What, what do you think it is with this infatuation of big tigers? I think you get two things. A tiger is ultimate sexy beast. You look at him and he is 
magnificent. To touch him, he feels magic. His, his hair is always perfectly clean. He feels amazingly strong and beautiful. Even as a cub, he's super cool. And he maintains that throughout his life, but just gets bigger and bolder. I think that people love that and are attracted to them. But I also think what takes place is people who have already had a lot and done a lot, like Mike Tyson. He's already king of the world. So much is going on. He says, I've got this you know, indulgent lifestyle that I'm spending millions of dollars a year. I'm living in a house that's tens of millions of dollars. What accoutrement would be the next super cool thing? I think Tiger comes to mind for a certain kind of quality of life, a certain class of guy says, I'd like to have a tiger live here. It would be super cool. The problem is nobody goes about understanding the rules first, so they can't develop a relationship with that tiger. They also don't understand the incredible amount of time, so they don't devote themselves to the tiger enough. By the time the tiger's a year old, it's 250, 300 pounds, and it's biting, and it's, and it's jumping. And even if you're Mike Tyson, it's too much. No one's ready to really fight an eight-foot-tall, 600-pound guy. It's got 10 knives like Wolverine implanted in his hands. He's too much. He's got to really love what you're doing with him or you're going down. doesn't matter who you are. So, so a big part of it is attention because I know you said earlier when I asked you about people that own tigers, you said you know dozens of them and most of their personalities are they're very to themselves. You know, they put the time into the, into the tigers and all of that. So for private ownership, uh, what, what are the laws right now with private ownership to own a tiger? Can somebody own a tiger today in the U.S. or no? Only in a few states. I mean, in South Carolina, where I am, it's illegal. In most of the states, certainly all of New England, it's been illegal for a long time. There's a few places, Alabama, uh, maybe Nevada. Um, I think there's four or five states that are the only ones left where you can privately keep a tiger. If you have tons of money, Michael Jackson had private tigers and private gyms in California, of all crazy places because he has unlimited access to funds. If you have unlimited access to funds, you build a zoo. You put it wherever you want. You put in zoo staff, you bring in zoo veterinarians, you bring in animal trainers, and it can be whatever you want if you want to blow millions of dollars a year at it. Mike Tyson did something similar, but he got a little shafted and hired people that hoodwinked him and bought, got the wrong stuff and the wrong people in the wrong way. What's next for you? I mean, I know obviously you run your business here. Are you working on any major projects, any major things that's coming up, obviously outside of the pandemic that was taking place? The preserve here is always growing. You know, we just finished an incredible great ape house. We have 12 great apes, orangutans and chimps and gibbons that all live up there. That's our, our in-house project. You know, what's got to be done right now is there's got to be Tiger King 2. It needs to be Tiger King 2, the truth. And I think that there's room for that. I think we're I have a lot of people approaching us on how to put it together. I think that there's some uh, good pieces in there that'll happen. I think the Myrtle Beach Safari YouTube channel may have information coming up about it soon. Um, we're, we're hoping that something else can be done because there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of stuff there. I don't know if we're going to get any new footage of Joe, but uh, you never know. Have you, a lot of our guys talk about how close Carol Baskin looks to Hillary Clinton. Have you seen that as well or no, that, that picture going around with the two of them? Oh, yeah. You get that right stare and that right kind of like, uh, I'm coming for you look. Um, they're both pretty spooky girls. I mean, the two of those women are, are highly intense and seem like uh, if you do something wrong, um, you might wind up covered in sardine oil. Imagine if they ran a company together, what it would look like. <laughs> Nobody would want to mess with them. That'd be too much. That'd be exactly. too much. 
So maybe if, because I heard somebody opened the case and they're now investigating her again, I don't know if there's any truth behind that or not. Is it? I've heard the case is open. I think that uh, you can see a lot of the information on um, bcrwatch.com. That's like a watchdog site for Carol Baskin and all things Big Cat Rescue. And I believe that the sheriff has opened the case back up. I think there's new reward money out there. I think that a woman came forward and said, I was married to the hitman and put an affidavit out. Who knows how it all goes? I think uh, for her to go to prison for murder without a body 25 years later, probably pretty complicated. Not normally happens in the United States. I don't know that that goes on. If that happens, I think there's definitely going to be a need for Tiger King 2, if that happens. Because... People will not, I mean, they can't wait for that. All of a sudden, for a couple months, the most hated person in the world became Carol Baskin. I don't know how that happens, but it is what it is. So let, let's do a quick speed round. Uh, Doc, I'm going to give you a couple names. Tell me the first word that comes to your mind. All right. Rick Kirkham. Entertainment Tonight. I'm not sure if that was what it was, but he seems that dude. Michael Murdoch. Don't know him. Okay. Alan Glover. Belongs in that bathtub. He just, you should have stayed there. Jeff Lowe. Snitch. Snitches need stitches. Joe Exotic. A lost, lonely guy with a silver spoon that just went way too far with with the help of those same snitches. How about Howard Baskin? He's kind of like a pair of sandals with socks on. It just doesn't quite look or fit right. Last one, Carol Baskin. Oh, my God. I mean, just just Satan's ilk for big cats. I mean, just been the worst thing in the world for them, destroying the species, destroying people's understanding of them. Just uh, big cat Satan. Big cat Satan, Carol Baskin. Well, if, if, if anything formulates and builds up, I'm sure the I'm sure I know for a fact 75, 78 million people can't wait for part two if something happens with her. And I, I'm, I'm, uh, Hoping this investigation goes a little deeper. I'm sure there's a lot of other people want to see what happens with the end of the story. But like you said, 25 years, Doc and uh, his uh, Tiger Sanctuary, the Ritz-Carlton of Tiger Sanctuaries in Myrtle Beach, uh, uh, South Carolina. Having said that, Doc, thank you so much for making the time for uh, being a guest on Valuetainment. Thank you. Come on out. You bring those kids. Bring your wife. Come see this experience. It's life-changing. Come try it. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid-David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.